Good morning. This is Sherry at the Intentional Home Podcast. I'm so glad to have you join with me today. And we're going to look at a little bit different uh, topic today. Instead of digging into the scripture, we're going to be looking at more of a current events topic, some issues that we are facing today, and share some of my story. So that the the title for this podcast is Health, Freedom, and Vaccines, My Story. So before I get started, I do want to, I guess, encourage you just to listen. I know that some of the things I'm going to talk about are somewhat controversial and people have different thoughts and opinions on these issues, and I understand that. And I, I just want you to know my heart. I, I really only want to present information I want to present the facts as I have researched them, which I have spent hours and hours researching. I really just want to get the information to you. And because we live in a free country, at least for now, we do uh, have a choice on what we decide to do and uh, decisions that we make personally for ourselves and our family. But I just want to get the information out there And I felt an urgency to do this and uh, wanted to do it before now, but uh, got busy with other things, which I'll talk about later too. So I just wanted to put that out there. I I really do encourage you to, to not shut this off, to please listen. I hope you know me well enough that you trust me, that you trust that I would not intentionally mislead anyone. I really just want to present the facts as I know them and uh, hope that God will use that information somehow to, uh, to guide you in, in decisions that you make uh, in the future. So as we get started, just in general, I want to talk about freedom. Many people wrongly state that the government gives us our rights and our freedoms, but that's not actually correct. Our freedoms and our rights come from God. They are God-given freedoms and rights. And our our U.S. Constitution actually does not give us our rights. It protects our rights. So according to Romans 13, it says that God is the one who instituted the government to reward the good and punish the evil. God put the government in place to keep order and to protect the God-given rights of the people. But unfortunately, that's not how we're led to believe. Because God is continually being removed from every aspect of our life. Man and government have taken over what is God's. Government now is acting as God and dictating to we the people what we can and cannot do, which is outside of their limited role that God ordained for them. And obviously, I'm not talking about laws that keep order. I'm talking about areas where it is our God-given right to choose and we have governments that are coming in and dictating what we should and shouldn't do. So if there's no God, our rights and our freedoms are then given to us by the government or perceived to be given to us by the government, who then attempts to take them away. And I think over the past year or so, we have seen some of those freedoms being taken away. We've seen the government step in in areas that are overreaching and uh, 
So that kind of brings me to the topic that I'm going to be covering today, and that is on health freedom. Now, some of you have listened to my podcast where I share about my son, Jonathan, and what happened to him. I'll just kind of briefly discuss what happened. He started having some major um, intestinal issues, and he's had issues for years, but just didn't really get a diagnosis or figure out what was wrong. And it all kind of came to a climax over um, Thanksgiving week a couple years ago. He uh, started having extreme pain and uh, went to the doctor, ended up going to uh, getting a, a scan done, and he actually ended up in emergency surgery to have a small part of his intestine removed. He was diagnosed with Crohn's and uh, through the hospitalization while he was there from the surgery, I started doing research on Crohn's. I knew that it was a, a gut issue. I had already started to learn about gut health. So I knew that it was a gut issue. So I knew that there was something, it probably had to do with what he ate. I knew it was inflammatory uh, issues. So I researched and found out that uh, it does uh, affect what you eat. Uh, so I, I learned that going on an anti-inflammatory diet, avoiding certain foods, gluten, sugar, things like that. Uh, so I done that research and I, I, I brought that to the surgeon and to our family doctor and actually even to the specialist, the pediatric gastroenterologist. And because uh, they were wanting to put him on Humira, which is a shot he would give himself in his leg twice a month for the rest of his life. They basically said, once you get on this, you cannot get off of it. And I really, I did not have a good feeling about it. I, I felt like there had to be other options. So when I brought up my research about, you know, ask them, these doctors, well, doesn't it help the kind of foods that he eats because it's an inflammatory disease? It would reduce the inflammation and help his body, his gut to heal. And they basically said, no, it doesn't matter what he eats. He can eat whatever he wants as long as he gets on this shot. So needless to say, I was very disappointed. Um, obviously, either they were totally ignorant to the issue. Um, drugs, drugs and shots are not always the answers. And uh, so I, I started doing some more research on natural health and what I could do to help my son. And in the process of that, I uh, got to know a few ladies that were starting a health freedom group here in Kansas. They had a couple of, the way our state is set up in Kansas, our Secretary of Health can add any vaccines to our mandated childhood schedule without any other oversight. So basically one person who was an unelected official can, in his, at his own leisure, add any vaccine to the schedule and nobody can do anything about it. So they, they were, at the time, they were wanting to add two more vaccines to the childhood schedule and anyway, it's kind of a long story, but I got involved with the Health Freedom Group 
fighting against more mandates, more, more uh, mandated vaccines. And over the past couple of years here, we've seen, uh, it just seems like more vaccines are being added to the schedule. A lot of states do have uh, exemptions, medical, religious, and philosophical. Not all states have all three. Kansas only has medical and religious. California, like states like California, only have one, and that is medical. They had all of their other uh, exemptions taken away over the last several years. And even their medical exemption is so strict that vaccine-injured children cannot even get a medical exemption. They don't qualify for a medical exemption. So these are the kind of atmosphere that we are, that we are facing. We are, are just seeing government stepping in to our areas of our own personal bodily autonomy, our own health, and telling us, basically mandating a health procedure which is very disturbing to me. And I think this issue has become much more out in the open this past year with the COVID vaccines, and we're going to get into that later. But uh, a lot of adults are struggling with why is the government mandating, or they're not mandating yet. Most likely that they will not mandate the vaccine, but they will use measures like you cannot do certain things. You cannot fly, you cannot... Uh, go to to big, you know, stadiums or public events if you do not have some kind of a passport that shows that you've been, been vaccinated. So we're facing those kind of issues as adults and plus the safety issues, obviously, that we'll talk about later as well. So we're, we're facing these issues and many times we don't even make that connection that these same types of medical procedures are being mandated on our children in order to go to school or daycare, and we don't even think anything about it. So anyway, I'm going to get into more of all of that later, but that is why I got involved with health freedom uh, here in Kansas. I, uh, I actually, my oldest was vaccinated until it was time for her kindergarten shots, and at that time, I had a friend who started talking to me and having me look at the vaccine inserts and look at the ingredients and look at uh, the health issues that kids were having. And so I personally have made that decision for my family um, that we have not done any more vaccines. Uh, my other children have not had had any vaccines. and uh, But that's just a personal decision that I made for my family. But we're going to get into a little more specifics about vaccines and mandates. And some of this information most people do not know. And it's critical information that every person should know this because I think it will shed a little bit different perspective on the whole vaccine industry. And uh, besides the safety issues, make you question uh, some of their motives, I guess I should say. So the first thing is in 1986, an act was passed that gave all pharmaceutical companies total no liability 
they cannot be sued if there are any injuries or deaths from vaccines. They will not be liable financially at all. What happened was in 1986, before that, in the 80s, there were a lot of children being injured by the DPT vaccine. And they were filing lawsuits and suing the vaccine companies. And they were getting overwhelmed uh, financially with all of these lawsuits. And they came to the government and said, we cannot continue. We will stop making vaccines if you don't give us liability, uh, get remove liability from us. So that is what happened. Of course, when they passed the act, they were supposed to uh, be filing reports every two years to the government stating what they're doing to try to make vaccines safer. Those reports have never been, been done, never been filed. So this act was passed in 1986 with the understanding that the pharmaceutical companies would do their part in trying to make their products safer. And from what we can tell, they have not been filed. There has been requests for these reports and nothing has been done. So I want to make you aware of that. The vaccine companies that make these vaccines, whether it's the vaccines for your children, whether it's the COVID vaccine, whether it's the flu shot, any um, vaccines, they're, they're labeled as biologics. And so that's what gets them the free pass. And I think personally, that is why we are seeing many more vaccines being created for all kinds of things. Because if it's a vaccine, they can, their liability is removed. Now, we know what has happened with some of these other uh, pharmaceutical companies. They have faced all kinds of fraudulent lawsuits and that they've had to settle on where they have knowingly had products that were causing injury. So vaccines are a way that they can kind of bypass that liability. So that's the first thing I wanted to point out. Um, the next thing is that most doctors don't even know how to recognize vaccine injury. And I'm going to tell a story later from an ER nurse about that, but most doctors don't even know what to look for in vaccine injury, so they don't even acknowledge it. Um, I've already touched on this, but exemptions are being taken away. Even now, uh, with the COVID vaccines coming out, there are states that are actively pursuing removing all exemptions except for medical. So unless you can prove that you have had, and in order to get a medical exemption, a lot of times you have to have a reaction to a vaccine in order to get an exemption for that vaccine. So those are actively being uh, pursued to being removed across the states. Next thing is vaccine ingredients. Most, most people don't get the vaccine inserts and look at what is in them. Uh, mercury used to be in many of the childhood vaccines and they did start removing them and most vaccines given to children today and adults don't have the mercury in them, but there are some that still do. I think one of the flu vaccines has still has some mercury, but there's ingredients like aluminum, 
um, aborted fetal tissue and DNA, um, polysorbate 80, uh, there's formaldehyde, there's all kinds of uh, ingredients, toxic ingredients in these vaccines. And when your children get them, they, their body has to try to detox that. And there's, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is there's a, a gene mutation that most people or a lot of people have and don't even realize it. It's called the MTHFR mutation. And this, one of the things that, that your body deals with, if you have this gene mutation is that you, your body doesn't detox very well. And so you are much more susceptible to vaccine injury because your body can't get rid of those toxins that are in the vaccines. I know that they've done, uh, they've looked at children who have been diagnosed with autism and almost all of them have this gene mutation um, because their, their bodies were not able to detox and the toxins have affected them. We'll get into that a little bit more later, but that is something else. You know, if, if it is known that your body, you know, that you are more susceptible to vaccine injury if you have this mutation, why aren't we testing children for this mutation before we give vaccines? I mean, it just seems like common sense, but that's, that's another issue that you need to consider um, as a parent. If you have children uh, or are going to have children, that's something to consider. Um, okay, the last thing is that mandated adult vaccines are coming. Um, and like I said, uh, most people don't even realize the CDC actually does have an adult vaccine schedule, just like they have the childhood uh, vaccine schedule. They have one for adults as well. And most likely it will just be a matter of time before they start mandating these. We already are, we're already seeing some employers, especially in the healthcare field, that are mandating like flu vaccines and some others for their workers. And it's probably only a matter of time before uh, there's going to be more starting to be mandated or you're not going to be able to do certain things if you do not have certain vaccines. Okay, next I want to talk about vaccine injury. Now, this is really not talked about too much, and it's really uh, it, it's it's hard because if you bring up that you that you believe that your child was vaccine injured, that that you are you're labeled and you're shamed and cast away. A lot of times, your your doctor won't acknowledge it at all. Um, I know parents who uh, their, had their children, they were perfectly healthy, they were developing normally, and then after a series of shots, almost immediately they started digressing, losing eye contact, losing speech, uh, starting to, to lose their ability to walk, started banging their heads on things, walking on their tiptoes, having seizures, the list goes on and on. Uh, their children just were not the same after they had a series of vaccines. And the parents know, but the, the doctors just refuse to listen. And then when the parents decide that they do not want to have their child to have any more vaccines because they're afraid that it's going to cause more damage, 
the doctors refuse, the pediatricians refuse to keep them as patients if they do not continue on the schedule. So this is what parents are facing. They're, they be, they're being labeled as anti-vaxxers, these crazy conspiracy theorists, and they're really parents who are hurting and looking at their children and having to suffer the consequences of, of what they did. So one thing you may not realize, and this was actually talked about in one of the, the ACIP meetings, which is the, um, one of the organ, it's one of the organizations of the, the FDA that approves the vaccines uh, to be added to the schedule. But they actually uh, admitted that doctors only get about a half a day of education on vaccines in their training. And that is mostly what they mostly are learned are uh, educated about is what the schedule is and how to administer it to uh, their patients. So they are just most of the time very ignorant in knowing what to look for as far as injury. So considering all of that information, I'm going to read to you a story from an ER nurse. And um, again, this is just one nurse's story. I've heard and read of many other similar, um, similar stories, but this was one that, that was shared. And I, I just want to give you a, a firsthand experience on what she sees as far as vaccine injury. Okay, here's her story. As an ER nurse, I've seen the cover-up. Where do you think kids go when they have a vaccine reaction? They go to the ER. They come to me. I cannot even begin to guess how many times over the years I have seen vaccine reactions come through my ER. Without any exaggeration, it has to be counted in hundreds. Sometimes it seemed like it was one or two cases in a single shift, every shift, for weeks. Then I would get a lull, and I wouldn't catch one for a week or two. Then I'd catch another case per night for a couple weeks. This was common. Once I was training a nursing student about to graduate on their ER experience rotation in nursing school. This student and I floated up to triage to cover the triage nurse for a break. I was quizzing them on what to ask and look for as a triage nurse on pediatric kids that came through. I made a point about asking about immunizations right out of the gates. The student was puzzled and asked why. And I told the student because we see vaccine reactions every day and it's their job to catch it. Alert the doctor and the parents and report it to VAERS. Uh, one side note, VAERS is the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. It is the system that was put in place back after that 1986 act was, was passed. It was put in place as a place for doctors to report vaccine reactions and also for uh, parents to report the reactions themselves. So that is what that database is. Okay, back to the testimony. Some higher power apparently smiled on my attempt to open the eyes of another nurse, I guess, because not even 10 minutes later, a woman brought her child up to the counter, sudden onset super high fever and lethargy. I asked if the child was up to date on vaccination. The mother replied he had them just a few hours ago. I glanced at the student who looked shocked and looked back at me in disbelief. I nodded, 
and told them to remember this, and then took the mom and her child to finish the triage in back. When I was done, I came back and sat down with the student and asked what he learned that night so far. The first response, what I was told about vaccines wasn't true. I couldn't have said it better. That student is going to go on to be like me, advocating for his patients with his eyes wide open. The cases almost always presented similarly, and often no one else connected it. The child comes in with either a fever approaching 105, or seizures, or lethargy and can't wake up, or sudden overwhelming sickness, screaming that won't stop, spasms, GI inclusion, etc., and one of the first questions I would ask as a triage nurse was, are they current on their vaccinations? It's a safe question that nobody seems sees coming and nobody understands the true impact of. Parents and co-workers usually just think I'm trying to rule out the vaccine-preventable diseases, when in fact I am looking to see how recently they were vaccinated to determine if this is a vaccine reaction. Too often, I hear a parent say something akin to, yes, they are current. The pediatrician caught up their vaccines this morning during their checkup, and the pediatrician said they were in perfect health. If I had a dollar for every time I'd heard that, I could fly to Europe for free. But here's the more disturbing part. For all the cases I've seen, I've never seen any medical provider report them to VAERS. I have filed VAERS reports, but I am the only nurse I have ever met that files VAERS reports. I also have never met a doctor that filed a VAERS report. Mind you, I have served in multiple hospitals across multiple states alongside probably well over 100 doctors and probably three to 400 plus nurses. I've worked in big hospitals in the San Francisco Bay Area, Las Vegas, and small hospitals, and everything in between. When I say never, I mean never. I have even made a point of sitting in the most prominent spot at the nurse's station filling out a VAERS report to make sure as many people saw me doing it as possible to generate the expected, what are you doing, responses, to get that dialogue going with people. And in every case, if a nurse approached me, their response was, I've never done that, or I don't know, I didn't know we could do that, or worse, what is VAERS? which was actually the most common response. The response from doctors? Silence. Absolute, total refusal to engage in discussion or to even acknowledge what I was doing or what VAERS was. The big takeaway from that? VAERS is woefully underreported. I am proof of that. The number one place parents bring their kids in the event of a vaccine reaction is the ER. And as an ER staffer, I have never met anyone who filed one, in spite of seeing hundreds of cases of obvious vaccine-associated harm coming through. What does that say about reported numbers? The CDC and HHS admits that VAERS is underreported and probably only representative of one-tenth the actual number of injuries. I contest that, and from personal experience, I would say the numbers in VAERS are more like one in one one thousandth the actual numbers, not one tenth. And the final part of that is that I have firsthand seen blatant cover-ups from doctors. I have seen falsification of medical records and documentation via intentional omission. I have challenged doctors who have refused to put in the chart that the child was vaccinated four hours ago 
and was in perfect health, and now suddenly they are non-responsive, seizing, febrile at 105, and that labs, LP, and imaging confirms cerebral edema encephalitis. I reminded the doctor, as they are writing their report, that the child was vaccinated mere hours before. And at the end, there is total omission of this fact, and the physician pass-off notes state encephalitis of unknown origin. I asked the doctor if they will file a VAERS report, and they argue that this has nothing to do with it. It's purely coincidental, and nothing should be filed. They are safe and effective. I remind them that VAERS is a reporting body for any symptoms that are contemporaneous to vaccination, whether causation is believed to be associated or not, and I get the dismissal that they are not filing it because it has nothing to do with it. No one brings it up to the parents. It's this giant rug sweep that happens, and any mention of the vaccination is systemically removed or withheld from the record. A perfect example of this was an ambulance crew that came in with a pass-off report that included the fact that the child had been vaccinated only hours prior to onset of symptoms. The physician made sure this pass-off sheet disappeared mysteriously and could not be filed with the patient medical record. So yes, I have seen the vaccine damage cover-up firsthand. I know that it is intentional and active in the medical community. I know that it is happening. And on top of total denial of any association and total cover-up, they also refuse to report to VAERS, which is supposed to be reported to for anything that is even in no way suspected to be associated with the vaccine. This is a systemic suppression of information and statistics. And yes, in the cases described above, I did approach the parents and I did tell them about VAERS and I did start a case for them and file a report. I did, I did force the issue through my charting, although it will most likely be buried and overlooked. I've experienced the corruption and suppression of the truth in the medical community about vaccines firsthand from the provider perspective. It does happen every day. Okay, so that's the end of the ER nurse's testimony. So a little bit more information about VAERS. VAERS, again, it's a self-reporting database that's run by uh, the CDC and the FDA. It's the only database of vaccine injury that's available to the public. But when information is accessed and shared about vaccine injuries and deaths, this database is discredited because they say, uh, or the injuries are discredited because they say it's not accurate, the, the database isn't accurate. Yet the CDC fails to put a better system in place to track vaccine injury and death. Theirs was supposed to be a way for the CDC and the FDA to see any red flags so that they can investigate further. That's what it was intended to be. It was intended to be a database where people can report, where doctors can report any reactions to vaccines and when they would see enough of a reaction, enough of a, of a red flag, they would research and try to figure out what's going on with these vaccines to try to fix it. Um, obviously, that is not happening. Now, um, I am putting together, I, I've got a free course that I um, will give you the link to here at the end of the, of the podcast, and it will be in the podcast notes, the show notes as well. But in this course, I'm going to have a section in there 
with a bunch of information uh, kind of documenting the resources that I talk about today in this podcast. So in that section in the course, there's going to be a link to the, the VAERS site. Uh, I'll include the link where you can go to report an injury and also uh, a link to the VAERS database so that you can go on there and you can take a look at the injuries and deaths from vaccines that are being reported. On a, uh, Kind of on a side note, did you know that among the most wealthiest nations, the United States has the highest infant mortality rate and the highest number of vaccine doses administered before age one? So I know this is just another, it's another one of those things that should cause a red flag. We have the nation with the most, the highest number of infant mortality numbers, and we also administer the most doses of vaccinations in the first year. So that's something to, um, another little tidbit to think about. Also, we are the only nation that gives a vaccine on the first day of life, which is the hepatitis B vaccine. We also push pregnant moms to get the flu vaccine and the Tdap vaccine while they're pregnant. So these are all things that um, even when I was, I was pregnant, uh, really those things, I was never pushed to have a vaccine during pregnancy. And uh, I, I think a couple of my, of my younger kids, I think they were, they had started giving the hep B vaccine. Um, but, but I refused it um, at birth. But those are just some things to think about. You know, why is it that we have the highest infant mortality rate? Um, why is it that during COVID, when many uh, parents were not going to their well-child checkups because of all the lockdowns, why was there a significant decrease in SIDS deaths? Um, just some of these information out here that, that gets discredited and uh, labeled as conspiracy, and yet how do we, you know, how do we not ignore some of these uh, red flags that we should be looking at? So I want to turn to you next. Let's talk about COVID. Um, I want to look at the COVID vaccine. And again, I have spent, because of being involved in the Health Freedom Group, I have done hours and hours of research on all of this because we as a group, we send emails to our state legislators to inform them of the information because many of them don't receive it from the health departments and our state health department. So we send them information that we have researched and, and sourced and documented. So I just want to go through some of this information with you real quick. And again, links to a lot of this information is going to be in my free course so feel free to go there and do some research and look for yourself. Again, I am trying just to present facts. I'm trying just to present the information. It's going to be up to you to go and do your research and decide what you're going to do with it. So let's look at the COVID vaccine. First of all, it seems like in, in the media, we, we keep hearing that these vaccines are, have been approved by the FDA. Well, that's not necessarily, they are not approved. They have been given emergency use authorization only. They are still experimental. They have not been given final approval by the FDA. They are experimental. 
Now the two mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, the COVID vaccines, they're using an mRNA technology. It's a messenger RNA technology that's never before been used in mass vaccination like they are doing right now. You cannot detox from this. We talked about the childhood vaccines, how you can, there are things that you can do to detox from the the toxic ingredients that are in the vaccines. But with this mRNA vaccine, you cannot detox from it. It's like putting a computer program in your body. It, it puts something in your body that makes your cell create the, the, the spike protein of, of COVID, of SARS-CoV-2. So again, I just want to make you aware, this is technically not even a vaccine. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. It's actually a, a gene therapy. It's it's manipu- manipulating your genes and kind of like a computer program. It's telling your genes what to do. So be aware of this before you consent and go get a vaccine and make sure that you understand what these vaccines are. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a DNA vaccine. Um And I just sent a letter to my legislators about this this week, and many of them did not know this. But this is actually information from the fact sheets given to healthcare providers. That the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine, the DNA vaccine, each dose, so it's in the vaccine that goes into your body, each dose of these Johnson & Johnson vaccines may contain residual amounts of host cell proteins and or host cell DNA. Now the cell line is derived from human embryonic retinal cells originally from the retinal tissue of an 18-week-old fetus aborted in 1985. So when you are getting the Johnson & Johnson DNA vaccine, you are getting fragments of DNA and residual amounts of the cell proteins from this aborted fetus. You are getting foreign DNA and foreign uh, cell proteins put into your body. And I know enough to know that that can cause some health issues. Um, So again, please do your own research. This information about this being in the in the vaccine, the the DNA and the and the, the protein, this information is not in the fact sheet that is given to the recipient of the vaccine, but it is in the fact sheet given to healthcare providers. Why is that? Why don't they want the public to know? Most people will not go digging and looking at the FDA documents and. The, the, the scientific literature that talks about this. The fact sheet needs to have this information and you need to know about it. So those are the three main vaccines now that are available, the Pfizer, Moderna, both mRNA vaccines, and then the Johnson & Johnson DNA vaccine. So please, please know, please educate yourself on these vaccines. And unfortunately, your doctor probably will not know and understand 
Um, they will tell you it's safe and effective and you need to get it. But please do your own research. Um, please understand what you're doing before you get these vaccines. Um, there's a lot of doctors uh, speaking out and scientists speaking out with very serious concerns, um, especially about the mRNA vaccines, very serious concerns of future consequences health-wise. So please educate yourself on that. The other thing is that these are not really vaccines, uh, according to the, def the, def the definition of a vaccine. The va these COVID vaccines have not been proven to prevent infection. Now, this is where the wording gets confusing because the infection is called SARS-CoV-2. That is the infection, okay? Now, if you are infected with SARS-CoV-2 and then you develop symptoms that develop into a disease, that is labeled as COVID. So COVID-19 is the disease that you develop from the infection of SARS-CoV-2. When they tell you that these vaccines are 85%, 75% effective from, from getting COVID, that's what they're saying. You are it, The percentage of effectiveness is based on you developing the serious symptoms. It is not saying that you will not be infected with COVID, with SARS-CoV-2. So these vaccines do not prevent you from becoming infected. They only reduce your symptoms most of the time. And then they also, because they don't prevent infection, they don't prevent transmission. So you can still be an asymptomatic carrier after you have the vaccine and still pass that to others. So that's just, um, you need to know that. Uh, most people don't realize that. They think that once they get the vaccine, then they can go do what they want to do. And technically, it, it's still not, it's not really doing anything. I mean, the only thing it's doing is preventing symptoms, uh, severe symptoms. So hopefully, uh, hopefully prevent you from going to the hospital. Another thing it, to note is that the trials will not be completed until I think it's 2023. So we are the large scale experiment. You know, they're pushing this out. They want to get every American vaccinated by this summer. We are the experiment. experiment. There are no long-term long -term trials. Being, I mean, there's no, none have been completed. They have no idea what these vaccines will do to people's health. Uh, and obviously, there are some serious health issues and adverse events to these vaccines that the mainstream media, for the most part, is not covering. And the CDC is denying any relation that, the, that these vaccines are causing injuries and deaths. Now, I don't know about you, but I have seen so many stories, people I know personally, um, so many stories online, people sharing about people that they know, that got the vaccine and the next day had a heart attack or got the vaccine and then, you know, s developed, you know, tremors and uh, all kinds of symptoms. So, you know, I, 
In fact, yesterday I was at this at our state capitol. I was testifying in a hearing. We are our our health freedom group is. Uh, we have a bill that's in a Senate committee that would prohibit our state health secretary from adding any new vaccines to the childhood schedule without legislative oversight because we feel like the people need to be represented. We don't need one official making these decisions and mandating a, a, a medical procedure um, on our children. And obviously we are concerned. Uh, our state has been our state health department has been pushing the HPV vaccine, and we definitely see that as, as a vaccine that our state is going to try to mandate for children. And then obviously the COVID vaccine. They are already uh, starting trials, I think last week, on, on some of these COVID vaccines. They are starting trials on children as young as six months old. So we know that their plan is eventually to add this COVID vaccine to the childhood schedule. So we're trying to ward this off. And uh, so I was at a, at a hearing yesterday and testifying in support of this bill. And there was a doctor, one of our legislators is a, is a pediatrician, a doctor, been a doctor for 40 years. And he got up there and he was asked whether the COVID vaccines were causing injuries and deaths. And he said, no, there has been no proof. The CDC has said there's been no proof that there has been injuries or deaths that have been related to these COVID vaccines. He was also asked whether he has ever seen vaccine injury over his 40 years. He says over the thousands of patients he has, has, uh, has helped, has, that's been in his practice, he has never, ever seen a vaccine injury. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time believing that that is truth. Um, but back to the COVID vaccine, vaccine injuries are happening. We probably, every one of you probably know someone who went and got the vaccine and got very sick afterwards. Um, and that is not the only health concern of immediate issues. We are... There are, are some doctors and scientists that are very concerned about um, antibody-dependent enhancement, which what that is, in, in the animal trials, when they tried to make a coronavirus vaccine before, and they did animal trials, they injected the vaccine into the animals, and then when the, the animals were challenged with the wild virus that they were injected for in the vaccine, when they were challenged and, and exposed to the wild virus, their immune systems went crazy and they ended up suffering major organ damage and many of them died. So there are those serious concerns as well as what is this going to present down the road as far as health issues for people. So again, please uh, educate yourself about these vaccines. I wanted to share, and this link will be in the, in the free course, but there is a, a website where they have been accumulating, um, well, they use the VAERS database, and because it's an open source, you know, anyone can access and download the database, but they use the VAERS database, 
and they have the information organized so it's easy for you to search and look at the information. But the website is called vaxpain.us and it's organized very well so that you can easily click on um, the different types of injuries. They're, they're, these are this, in, this website specifically is only showing the information related to COVID vaccines. So all of the VAERS reports that have been filed indicating that they were uh, had injuries or deaths after having a COVID vaccine. So it's only that information, but feel free to go there and take a look and read some of these stories and see what you think to see if you think that there's been enough injuries and deaths to warrant a halt to the vaccines and an investigation. So I think now, um, I think the, the, the latest VAERS reports, it's up over 2,000 deaths, I think. So, all right, the next topic I want to talk about is early treatments available. Now, uh, just a quick disclaimer, I am not a doctor, I do not treat or diagnose. Um, I have to give this disclaimer because I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to present information. You go look at it. Take the information to your doctor. Actually, a lot of doctors now are giving their, actually a couple months ago even, started giving their patients information on taking some of these supplements that would help support their immune system. So I think some doctors are waking up, but... Uh, but there are early treatments available. If you feel like you're starting to get sick with COVID or some other kind of a viral illness, there are things that you can do to, to kind of stop it in its tracks, to support your immune system and help your body to be able to fight it before you get to the point where you have to go to the hospital. And I think that's one of the most uh, heartbreaking things that we have seen in this whole COVID pandemic is that we see people who are sick who go into the ER afraid that they have COVID and they're told to go home and to come back when they can't breathe. That same story has been told over and over and over. Well, by the time the people come back and they can't breathe, the, the, the virus has so, uh, in, is in such advanced stages that there's, there's hardly, uh, the, there's not much they can do to help. And then they, they try to throw some of these treatments at it, but it's too late. And so early treatment is the key. Um, obviously, uh, prophylactically, there's a lot that we can do to help our bodies to be healthy and to have good immune systems. Um, but that's kind of a topic for another day. But some of the early treatments that have been uh, talked about by, not by the mainstream doctors, but by doctors who are uh, many times treating their own patients and having great success. Things like vitamin D, that's been a huge one. They have found, I think, over 90% of people that actually ended up being admitted to the hospital because they got severe COVID were very deficient in vitamin D. Um, so that's a huge thing that you can do is to have your vitamin D levels checked and make sure that you are well, your body is well saturated with vitamin D. Zinc was another one, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. Those were some of the top. Uh, budesonide is another one. Um, but unfortunately, early on, back in like even March and April of last year, when this first started, 
there were doctors that were sharing their successes in treating their patients early. And many of them were having almost 100% success rate with no deaths and very few even having to go to the hospital. But these doctors were censored. They were smeared in the mainstream media. Even some of these doctors even had their medical license threatened to be revoked by the medical boards. It's unreal. It's unreal what what some of these doctors faced simply trying to help. And instead of, you know, our, uh, our health medical system looking at what these doctors were doing and gleaning their wisdom and trying to implement some of these things, we still have many places, many hospitals and doctors that refuse, refuse any of these kinds of treatments to help people. It's unreal. Now in the course, I'm, I'm going to put a, a PDF booklet that has some early treatments. It was put out by Oh, I can't remember some, um, it was a medical organization that put out this booklet. So, uh, it's a reputable, uh, reputable information, but feel free to go look at that and look at some of those early treatments that you can do. But one thing to, to consider too, is that when you have a vaccine that you're trying to get approved for an emergency use, that the only way that you can get that approval is if there is not an effective treatment for that disease. So it makes you wonder if there was a reason that these early treatments were not given the chance they deserved, why they were, were downplayed, why they were, um, I mean, look at what happened when President Trump discussed hydroxychloroquine as a cure I don't know if you remember what happened, but we had um, governors that started banning hydroxychloroquine in their states, banning any use of it. We had pharmacies that started banning it. Social media starts canceling and deleting any kind of discussion or posts about hydroxychloroquine. Um, We had the fake news media runs hit pieces on hydroxychloroquine, and then then we had some fake science, some fake studies that were created to try to dismiss it. One of the studies that they that they did, I think it was on hydroxychloroquine. It was either that or on ivermectin. I think it was on hydroxychloroquine. They um they did the studies on patients who were so sick, and then they gave them extra, almost lethal doses of hydroxychloroquine, and the patients died. And so you know, they almost set the study up to fail to try to discredit hydroxychloroquine. So, you know, you've got all of these things that are happening. You've got the early treatments that are working, that are, are being silenced. And uh, and then you've got, you know, the, the vaccine industry. You may not realize, but the vaccine, the pharmaceutical industry is a huge, huge, uh, there's so much money involved. It's unbelievable. Um I think they say in in Washington, the the pharma lobbyists outnumber the oil and gas like two to one. I mean, they uh, there's a lot of money in pharmaceuticals. And unfortunately, when there's a lot of money involved, there's a lot of corruption that usually follows. So so something to think about. Um, 
And again, I'm, I, I know that you may not agree. You may have different views on vaccines, and that's fine. Um, I just want to get this information to you to consider, to think about, to do your own research, and come to your own conclusions. But again, my issue is freedom. You know, that is what I am fighting for, is the freedom for people to choose. And so when you're looking at a vaccine, it is a medical procedure. How can a government mandate a medical procedure when your own doctor doesn't even have the ability to mandate that you get a certain medical procedure? You know, you have a choice. You know, if you have a doctor that you've been diagnosed with some kind of cancer and the doctor recommends that you have surgery to remove it, you have a choice. You can decide not to do it if you don't want to. Um, it's your choice. But when it comes to vaccines that are mandated, you don't have a choice. And I know people say, well, you do have a choice because you can get exemptions. Well, that is becoming more and more rare as those exemptions are being taken away. So something to consider. Um, I want to turn to now... Uh, as a church, as Christians, and obviously I am coming at this whole perspective from a, a Christian worldview. And so I want to look at as a church, how are we supposed to respond to all of this? How, how do we handle all of these government overreaches and, and, and what do we do? And I want to make you aware back in October of 2019, which was just a couple months before all of this uh, COVID-19 stuff started, um, there was an event that was called Event 201. It was a global pandemic simulation exercise. It took place in New York. And they talked about in this simulation, if you want to go, I, I'll put the link to the Event 201 website where you can go. You can watch all the videos from this simulation event. And unfortunately, it seems a little bit um, interesting how very similar it's about a uh, about this global pandemic where this virus comes out of China um, and a lot of it seems very very uh, parallel to what we have lived over the past year but uh, you can go there and check it out if you want to but during one of these I watched some of the videos and during one of them in fact a lot of the what they talk about is um, is how they're going to persuade people to do what the government is wanting them to do, whether it's wearing a mask or social distancing or quarantining or, or locking down and staying at home and doing what they're told and um, how we they talk about flooding the zone. They talk about, you know, all the news and the social media, how they can flood the zone and, and persuade people and get them to do what they're supposed to do. Well, one of the things that they talked about was using faith leaders to get people to do what they wanted because faith leaders are people that are trusted and they talked about using faith leaders, especially to, uh, to get to the conservative community that likes their freedoms. So I thought that was um, rather interesting and... Uh, we actually, sadly, have seen faith leaders 
this I, this probably some of this is my opinion, but we have we have seen faith leaders, pastors, especially, and other Christians even we have seen them being used uh, in over this past year to really further divide people. And uh, let's look at the mask issue. We saw major division in the church over the mask issue. We saw pastors and Christians saying that you're not being a good Christian or showing love for others if you did not wear a mask. We saw pastors shaming their congregation if they didn't wear a mask and telling them that they were being rebellious against God. And Romans 13 was used to demand obedience to government mandates. And if they didn't obey, they were not only disobeying the government, but they were disobeying God and being rebellious against the pastors and the leadership. So we saw that going on. And while that was going on, we saw the, the whole science of mask wearing really wasn't there. If masks were so uh, effective for viruses, why don't they require masks during flu season? Um, anyway, there's just there was so many different uh, perspectives on the mask issue. Um, there was controversial science. There was science that, that showed that masks didn't work. There was some science that showed that masks were working a little bit. We had people who uh, looked at masks as far as a health issue, that when you wear a mask, it affects your health. You had people who could not wear masks because they had breathing issues, and which made it much worse. So you had all of these things going on. And in the midst of that, you had pastors and faith leaders and other Christians that were virtue signaling and making other people feel bad that they weren't wearing a mask and trying to coerce them to wear a mask and be a good Christian. So, you know, what, no, no matter where you land on the mask issue, it should not be a spiritual issue. Um, again, it's something that affects your health. It's a controversial issue as to whether it is even effective. Um, Anyway, so we saw that happen there. We also saw, um, we're starting to see now with the vaccines, we're beginning now to see the same thing being played out with the vaccines. Pastors and faith leaders are pushing the COVID vaccines and saying things like it's a gift from God and that if you don't take it, that you're not loving your neighbor or you need to do this not only for yourself, but for the greater good. Now, it's very, very concerning to me that that this is happening because because of the health issues involved, because of the the safety issues, the the risks involved. Um, it's it's a very I know it's a very touchy issue. I know I know that people really uh, believe in vaccines and have no problem getting the COVID vaccine. And if you've done your research and you feel it's okay, it's a free country and, and you're free to get it. But at the same time, it's 
when you're asking someone else to put their life on the line and put their health at risk for everybody else, that gets into very dangerous territory. And, uh, and again, um, our, our freedoms are given to us by God. They are not given to us by our government. And, and we need to be allowed those freedoms, those matters of conscience that, uh, that, dictate to us personally what we choose to do. So that's partly my, I guess, my my reason for trying to educate and share all that I have, some of what I have learned. Um, there's a lot more I could go into, but uh, this is getting really long already. So I, I want to just wrap things up. Um, I hope this has been uh, helpful to you. I hope that this spurs you on to to start doing some more research, maybe, and to not be so quick to jump on the bandwagon of shaming other people for not doing something that you think that is okay to do. Please be sensitive. Please allow grace towards one another. And I, I just feel like they are using Christians. They are using the the goodness of Christians who want to love other people. Obviously, that is the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, so it seems like they are using that desire of our hearts and, and causing, using it to cause division among the body of Christ. So I just want to encourage you. Now, as I wrap up, I I do just want to say that um, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you that you should or should not get a vaccine or wear a mask or whatever it is that that we are dealing with right now or vaccinate your children or not. I'm not telling you what you should do. But this is what I am telling you to please educate yourself especially on not only on these um, experimental COVID vaccines, but educate yourself on the vaccines that are given to your children before you decide to give them to them. Um, Consider looking for a freedom group and getting involved in your local uh, state uh, group. Look at getting involved in your local and state government. Get to know your state representatives and senators Know what is going on as far as health freedom and mandates in your state. Uh, Find a group that you can get involved in and start uh, standing up for our freedoms and fighting for against any further mandates. And last of all, and most important, is seek the Lord on how you should respond to all that is going on today. Is your pastor wisely leading his flock? And... uh, I want to close, I'm going to, going to share in the, in the course, there's a, a sermon series that our pastor did from about January to March of this year. Because he felt such an urgency in his spirit, we were in the middle of another sermon series and he decided to put a halt to that and to do this series because he felt an urgency that we needed to look at how the church is to respond to the times that we're living in. And it it was so good. And, and if I, I highly encourage you to go through, uh, 
and, and really look at this. But some of the things that that he talked about in this series is about what what are our what is our most important focus uh, right now? Um, what is the church's relationship to government? How do we handle disagreements in matters of conscience? You know, how do we lovingly disagree with each other as Christians? How to face persecution and trials? And then the hope that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. So that uh, sermon series link is going to be in the in the free course as well, so that you can go listen to that. And uh, I highly encourage you to do that because it will give you a good, godly, biblical perspective on how we should respond, uh, no matter what you decide on the whole vaccine issue and the mask issues. This gives you a really good foundation of how we respond uh, to one another, even when we have chosen different paths. So please go listen to that. And I again, I, I hope that this has been uh, informational to you. I will put in the show notes, I will put a link to the free course that's available. I know some of you have already joined this course. It's my... Um, Health Freedom, Vaccines, and Current Events, Educational Library. It's just a, I decided to put together this area in my shop, this free course, where I have a whole bunch of information on current events and what's going on and the corruption. And I mean, there's a lot of information there. But one of the, I think it's the second section. The first one is just kind of a start here section. The next section is going to be the section on on this podcast and all the information that I shared. So please sign up. It's free. All you have to do is put in your email and then set up an account in my shop and you'll have access to that course. Go in there and I'm going to put the audio to this podcast in there as well. So it's all in one place. But listen to the podcast again. Go through all of the links that I share do some more of your own research. But uh, again, I, I just want to make you aware. I think there's so many people out there who have no idea of what is going on in the whole vaccine industry and the uh, the corruption that is going on, the, the information that is not being shared. So please go there and educate yourself and uh, pray seek the Lord, ask what he is uh, showing you to do and how you need to respond to other, to other believers as well in their decisions that they make. So thank you again. I know this has been long and I apologize. I had so much to share and I, I wanted to get it all in one audio, one podcast so I could get it out. Thank you for listening. And again, uh, please understand that I am not telling you what to do or what to believe. I'm just sharing what I know and the information I have. Please, again, just take it or leave it. But I encourage you to dig in, uh, get educated, get knowledgeable about what's going on so you can make a wise choice. Thank you again for watching. If you want to, or for listening, sorry, if you want to listen to some of my other podcast episodes, you can do that by going to my podcast page. It's at sherrygram.com forward slash podcast. You can see all my podcast uh, links there and the podcast player that you can listen in to past episodes. So thank you for joining me and hope you all have a blessed day.